Okay, let's go ahead. Now we're going to jump into the message for this morning. Um, just so you know, um, I'm looking, we're, we're, we're getting really close to finishing out our series on Proverbs. We have this week, uh, and then basically there'll uh, be a few more weeks after that, maybe one, maybe two. Um, but so we are kind of wrapping all this up, but we've been kind of looking at Proverbs over the last several weeks. We've been kind of studying it. We've been, we've been taking time to kind of dissect it a little bit. We've talked about hokma. We've talked about this idea of skill for living that, that really we see throughout the book of Proverbs. And over the last several weeks, we've been kind of, kind of breaking down the wise person and what that wise person does and, and attributes of the wise person. And, and so that's what we're going to continue to do this morning. Now, this morning what we're going to be doing is, is more of a teaching. It's going to be a little different than a typical message. Uh, and the reason why that is, real simply, is because today what we're talking about is the concept that wise people are teachable. Wise people are teachable. So if I was ever going to have a quote-unquote teaching, today's the day. Because this is kind of how we're, we're working. And so wise people are teachable. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do thank you for this time. Father, as we look at these things together, God, I pray that you give us wisdom, direction, and help. That, Father, you would open our hearts to what you desire to communicate to us. Father, we love you so much and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So wise people are teachable. Let's kind of jump in here and let's look at the first verse that we have in your notes. Proverbs 1, 5. This is what it says. Listen, let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Here's the thing is we kind of break into this idea of being teachable. Now, I, I know that, uh, you know, I've seen resumes recently, <laughs> quite a few. I know I've written resumes in my life and there's usually a, a section in a resume that says, you know, attributes or, or abilities. And sometimes what I typically see is this idea of being teachable. That's very popular right now. I'm teachable. And it's because in some ways it matters a lot. And even as we begin the book of Proverbs, and we actually read this verse way, way back at the first week, was this concept that like, listen, if you're wise, is what Solomon's saying, you're going to listen and you're going to learn. You're going to not understand things like, oh, I know it all or I understand it all, but you're actually going to be able to say, hmm, you know, I can learn some things here. I can understand some things here. And being teachable is really understanding that. Look at Proverbs 4.13. It says, take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Now listen to the imagery that Solomon's giving us here. He's basically giving us this idea of grabbing a hold of something. I don't know about you, but for some reason, what I remember as a kid, when I think about this idea of grabbing hold, and I don't know if they still have them or not, because things have changed, you know, in the, you know, in so many years that I was in elementary school. But when I was a kid, in gym class, there was a rope. You remember the rope in gym class? And this was something like, like you know, I don't know how there wasn't dead kids all over the place. I'm serious because the rope was attached to the rafters in my elementary school. And it was like, okay, here's what we're gonna do now. These kids who have no idea what they're doing, they're maybe third or fourth graders, are now going to climb this rope to the top of the ceiling. I don't know how high it was, but listen, when you're, you know, when I'm in fourth grade and I'm four foot nothing, it seemed extremely high. And so here's the good thing too. Not only do we climb the rope, but the, the gym teacher was so kind and so thoughtful that she said, I will give you something to help you in this journey. And so she puts down a mat. 
that's about that thick. You know what I'm saying? Like if you fell from a foot, it'd still break your neck, okay? So she puts that down, and that's our safety situation. And then she says, go. And some of these kids, it's like up tops the ceiling and down. I was not one of those kids because I'm, I'm fine with heights if I feel secure. Like you put me in a roller coaster, no big deal because I feel secure. But if you put me on a mountainside that I could fall off of with no railing, I don't like that, okay? And whatever reason, when I was in third or fourth grade, I was smart enough to understand that mat was, not, was going to not break my fall. My bones were going to break my fall, okay? And so I remember climbing that, and I remember getting so high, probably like five feet off the ground, and I began to hold on to that rope in a very strong way. That's what Solomon's saying here. Hold on. Don't let go. And then he takes it one step further, and he basically gives us this visual of guarding. Guarding it. Like these things he's saying, if you can learn them, they will be massively important in your life. But you've got to grab them. You've got to learn from them. You've got to have a, a wise person understands that they need to learn more and are teachable in these things. We talked about it, I think, maybe back in the first week. One way to really understand if you're teachable is simple. Are you willing to be taught by anyone in any situation or circumstance? Or are you the type that think you know it all? When you walk into a room, do you feel like you're the smartest person there? Or you walk in the room and you look around and you go, man, look at all the opportunities I have to learn today. Because here's the thing, and this is in your notes. If there is any quality that helps in every area of life, it's being teachable. Okay? It's being teachable. It's learning. It's understanding you don't know it all. Okay? It's one of the most dangerous places you can be spiritually and one of the most dangerous places you can be in your normal life. Here's why. Because really when you tear it all away, when you find someone who's not teachable, you find a very, very proud individual. And we've talked about it before. Pride always comes before the what? The fall. So being teachable, being willing to learn, being willing to understand some things is very important in the Proverbs and in our life. It's Solomon wants us to get this. Solomon really wants us to understand. He spends a lot of time in this idea of teaching and being teachable and taking the things he taught and use them. And here's the, here's the horrible, terrible thing about Solomon and about the Proverbs. Solomon was the, the guy that was so wise and he taught so many wise things the problem with Solomon is he didn't do what he taught. I've had people come up to me before and, and, and say, you know, it's, you know, Solomon had so many issues. Why did Solomon have, he was the wisest man. How did Solomon, listen, because when you have wisdom, but you don't apply it to your life or use it, it's worthless. Solomon forgot these things. He stopped being teachable in some ways, but he stopped being teachable even by his own self. That's why we see so many tragic things that happen in Solomon's life later on. Because he forgot this principle that he taught so often. And so we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be the person who basically has all this quote-unquote wisdom, but is forgetting how to be taught 
by it and letting it change their life. So this morning, again, we're going to have more of a teaching time. We're going to kind of look at some things together, but it's really going to be practical because I want it to be things that we can actually take and use. I don't want us to be like Solomon, who know a lot but don't know how to apply it. They don't, that know a lot but don't know how to use it effectively in their lives. And so this morning we're going to kind of look at those things. So really what this morning is about is simple. It's just how do we become more teachable? How do we do this? I'm not going to, because I don't think I need to spend a lot of time, honestly, talking about why you need to be more teachable. I think we all know this. I think we all understand this deep down, that I need to be able to be open to instruction and learning and, and all these things. So then how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, there's several things that I want to look at. There's basically six that we're going to look at this morning. And the first one is really the first one. It's, it's the starting point. If you don't start here, you are not going to be able to continue down the, the, the yellow brick road, if that makes sense to you, okay? And it's simple. You've got to be humble. You've got to live a life of humility. Look at Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Look at Proverbs 26, 12. It says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? Listen to what it says. There is more hope for a fool than for him. We talked about the fool. We talked about the mocker. We talked about the simple. In this scripture, what basically we're hearing is, listen, if you think you're so smart, there is less hope for you than someone that's so foolish in their life. It's basically equating the, the same. Listen, if you, I kind of mentioned this before, if you walk into a room and your first inclination or your first thought is, man, I'm the smartest one here, you know what scripture tells you? You're a fool. You're a fool. We have to be humble. And because of this, because it's the first step, because it's so important, we're going to break it down a little bit more with some things that I think this is kind of like some checklists, okay? I want to give you some checklists this morning. So basically as you go, because here's what we tend to do. Am I really humble? Do I really live a life of humility or not? Well, I want to give you some things that you can check off to see. So this is some of the things, these are attributes of the humble person. So here we go. The humble person is aware of his or her weaknesses. Okay? Now, I don't mean here belittling themselves constantly. Now, listen, I know sometimes we'll joke and laugh and, and you know, I'm not very good at this and kind of, kind of degrade ourselves in a joking way. That's not what I'm talking about here because, I mean, that's fine. I mean, we kind of enjoy that a little bit. But I'm talking about really understanding what we do well but also especially what we don't do well. Because here's the thing, if all we ever do is understand what we do well and focus on it, then our weaknesses can never get stronger. There are areas in your spiritual life, hear me, where God wants to illuminate those things. Not so he makes you feel bad, not so he can be like, boy, boy, you really aren't good here. No, because he wants to make you stronger there. He wants to make you better there. He wants to make you more like his son there. But if you refuse to see that, you're going to have a very hard time allowing God to do in your life what he wants to do. Okay? It's okay to go, you know what? I'm not good here. You know what? I need to do better here. 
Those are good things that help us grow in understanding more about who we are and who God's called us to be. Number two, a humble person is slow to speak and quick to listen. Slow to speak and quick to listen. Okay? To the right out of Scripture. Okay? A lot of times we don't live in a world like that. We care about getting our opinion out there, our truth, what we think. You know, there are people that I know that are basically this scripture in spades. They don't talk a lot, but you know what I've learned? They listen really well, and when they speak, it's extremely thought out and insightful, and there's wisdom that literally is dripping from their words. Okay? Listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Number three, this is important. The humble person owns up to his or her failures. Okay? They're failures. You know what I think sometimes can be so problematic in our lives is when we, we just won't kind of own up to the things we don't do well or the things we mess up. It's almost like we can't. We gotta, it's, it's always someone else's fault. Okay? You're not going to become teachable. You're not going to grow in an area if you blame everybody else for your failures. Now listen, I totally understand. There are times where people will influence you and there are times where their actions will influence your actions and all those things. But you know, at some point in time, you're going to have to be able to pull it all away and go, well, you know what? I chose this. And here's what I've learned about that. That is a very freeing thing. You realize that? One of the reasons the enemy loves to help us make excuses is because it keeps us in bondage. Do you realize it? Because here's the thing, if it's always someone else's fault, if they're always doing it, there's not much you can do to fix it, can you? I can't do anything. I can't fix it because they keep doing this. You've heard the phrase, I can't fix other people, I can only fix myself. Excuses put you into a box that say, you can't fix it. God can't fix it because they're going to do A, B, C, and D. And it binds you up. There is a freedom. It's not always easy, but there's a freedom to basically say, you know what? This is on me. I messed up. And therefore, with God's help, I can do better. The humble person understands they're not perfect. They're going to fail and understands when that happens, they take responsibility and take it to the Lord so the Lord can help them moving forward. Next, the humble person considers others more highly than him or herself. They care and they see those things. We take that right out of Scripture, Philippians 2, 3. They consider others more highly than themselves. And then this is a big one, I think, the last one. The humble person asks for feedback even when it's not offered. Now, Aaron, why, why is that important? Simple. Because a lot of times, people have things they want to share with you, but they don't know how, or they don't know if it's acceptable. A humble person says, help me grow. They don't just look to others to help them grow and expect them to do it and pour into their life. They're actively trying to get others to help them. That's a humble person. A humble person that does all those things. Listen, is a teachable person. A humble person that does all those things, the scripture says that the Lord will literally lift them up. It's the opposite of the prideful person. And I want the Lord to do that in my life. I don't want to have to lift myself up. I want the Lord to do that. We talked about that several weeks ago. 
So that's the first thing, be humble. Number two, the humble person or the teachable person becomes an individual who actively seeks wisdom and instruction as if your life depended on it. You go, Aaron, that's a little extreme. Yes, it seems that way until you look what it says in Proverbs 4. Look at it with me, Proverbs 4, 7 through 9. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. And then let's jump to verse 13. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well. Hold it. Uh, guard it well for it is your life. We just talked about that. This is something that Solomon is basically saying, listen, it doesn't matter if it costs you everything, it's worth it. It's worth it. He doesn't say, if it costs you this, maybe a little bit of that. He says, if it costs you everything, go after it. Get it. Grab a hold of it. Because he's understanding how important important it is. So here's, here's some, some ideas here. Here's again some, some things that we can look at, a checklist as it were, for the people that are pursuing wisdom, for those that are actively seeking it out. Here's what they do. Number one, those who pursue wisdom look intentionally for mentors, books, courses, and Bible studies to grow. They don't expect it to just pop into their lap. They're constantly looking and going, how can I grow here? How can I get more here? How can I understand who God is more? Remember, we talked about this early on. Jesus really is wisdom. We find it in him. And so as you seek wisdom, as you look actively for it, basically you pull it all away, you're actually looking for Jesus, which is what we need to be doing. So look intentionally. Don't just hope it plops into your lap one day. Be intentional about it. Next, those who pursue wisdom, memorize Bible verses and then meditate on them. Here's the reason why. To store up wisdom for the future. Okay? Listen, hear me here. Bible memorization isn't just for you when you are a child. Is it good when you're a child? Yes. Is it easier when you're a child? Absolutely. But there is an understanding that God has called us to hide his word in our hearts. Now look, I love, love that you basically can have a Bible with you as long as your phone is in your grasp. That's awesome. That's a great tool. And I, I encourage you, if you don't have one of the Bible apps, get one. Find one you like and use it. They're awesome. But it's no excuse not to still memorize Scripture. Not to be able to regurgitate those things at a moment's notice. I can't tell you how many times in my prayer life or in other situations where I've needed, where God has brought back to my remembrance things that I have learned in the past from His Word. It's vital. It's life to us. It's our daily bread. And some of us walk around completely un undernourished. So memorize it. And not only memorize it, but spend time thinking about it. What does this mean? What's God trying to help me to see here? Well, how can I understand more about Jesus from this story or from this verse? It's so important. It's so important. 
Begin a process of doing that. You say, Aaron, how do we do that? What do I do? It's simple. You pick one out and you memorize it. It's real tough, I know. But it can be done. I would encourage you, you listen, if there's verses that speak to you, memorize them. As you're going in your daily time with the Lord and a verse really kind of speaks to you, maybe, maybe write that down and say, man, I need to memorize this. I need to hold on to this. And a real easy, practical way, at least for most people to do that, now maybe you memorize things differently or, or, or whatever, is this, okay? I'm going to give you a real practical thing to help you in this. Because again, when we're five, for some reason we can memorize everything. When we're 35 or, you know, it's, it, it's harder, okay? Take a sticky note. You know what a sticky note is, right? Okay, I know we live in the digital age. They still have sticky notes. Go to Target, get your sticky note pad. If you don't have any, can't find any, I have some in my office. I'm a big proponent of sticky notes. Okay. Find a scripture that the Lord speaks to you on. Do something crazy. Find a small, it's about this big. They're called pencils or pens. I know we don't use them very often. Grab one of those writing utensils. Write it down. And then stick it someplace you'll see every day. Maybe it's the refrigerator. Maybe it's your mirror in your bathroom. Maybe it's in your car. Write it down, and then every time you see it, repeat it. Say it. You'll be shocked how quickly that'll get into your brain. And then when you got that one, take the sticky note off, get another sticky note, stick it on. Listen, I promise, if you will do that by the end of the year, you will have more, for most of us, you'll have more scripture memorized in six months, five months, than you've had in the last ten years. Because you're intentional. You're holding it. Why? You're scoring it up for later so that God can bring it to your remembrance, so you can bring it to your remembrance. Or, and this is even awesome, even, even as, as well as awesome, is when others are going through things and you can share it with them. So let it be there. Next, ask questions to others for added clarity and understanding instead of jumping to share an opinion on a matter. Okay? What does this mean? Simple. Be more concerned with understanding than getting your opinion across. Spend more time listening to what they're saying instead of formulating your own argument or your own opinion on the matter. Figure out so you can learn from them. You may not agree with them, but you can learn from them if you'll take the time to listen to what they're saying. Next, ask others for help when needed. Listen, I'm not good at this either. Okay, I'm, I'm not, it's not like I think I can do it better than everybody else, but I just, I, just, I just have a hard time sometimes asking for help. You know, this is something I need to do better on. This is something I need to, why? Because their help can help you see things that you never saw before. They may understand a problem or a situation. God may have spoken to their heart about what he would have you do or what you would, how he would have others do, and, and he spoke to them, and you can learn from it. So don't be afraid to ask for help, even though sometimes it's not easy. And the last one, grow in critical thinking and realize uh, taking the convenient answer can be costly. Okay? Think for yourself. The wise individual, that individual that is pursuing wisdom, doesn't just take what's spoon-fed to them. Listen, hear me here. I invite you to do this. 
I need you to do this. If you're not taking what I'm sharing with you and taking it home and opening the scripture and looking at it and going, yep, this is following God's word and God's plan, shame on you. Because if not, you're trusting me way too much. And I appreciate your trust. Don't misunderstand me. But you need to make sure what I'm sharing lines up with God's word. Do I want to do that? Yes. Do I work very hard to do that? Absolutely. But you need to take that responsibility too. Don't just take the convenient answer in school or from the newscast or even from the pulpit. Be willing to take the time. Listen, hear me here. This is more vital than ever. Why? Because you can quite honestly turn on any pastor from any church anywhere almost in the world. And there are some amazing pastors that are sharing godly truths. And there are some charlatans that are preaching heresy. And you need to know the difference. Period. How will you know the difference? By not accepting everything that's given to you, but compare it to God's word. That's how. The wise individual is doing that so that they know what's being shared is what is right and true and good. So important. Number three. Number three. Okay? Teachable people not only are teachable, but they learn from the right teachers. Okay? You kind of bringing this in, kind of what I was just sharing, but they learn from the right teachers. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Okay, next one, Psalms. Uh, I want to go to the Psalms. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, Proverbs. I jumped ahead. Proverbs 12, 26 is what it says. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Listen, it matters who you're listening to. This is so prevalent in our world today. We have people, and I, I listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I, not that you don't know this, but I'm a dinosaur when it comes to certain things, okay? Other things, I'm hip and cool. Very, very few things, and the more time is going on, I'm getting less and less hip and cool. But most things, I'm a dinosaur in. But I have I got to share something with you I just don't understand. I, I've, I have learned from people much hipper and cooler than me that there are things called influencers now. I've talked about this before, okay? Influencers. I don't know how this works. I'm not going to spend the time to learn it. All I understand is, and you can teach me later if you choose to, that somehow, for some reason, I don't know how, these people, maybe they're pretty, maybe they're, 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 they're famous, I don't know, but somehow they come on to some social media thing and basically say, I love this product. You should buy it too. And people do. Some of these people, I love you, hear me here, if you're 19, 20 years old, are 19, 20 year olds. And I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna step out on a limb here. I don't know if they have a lot of wisdom yet. I'm just gonna put that there. And yet, people will follow them blindly because they said to do this. Guys, that is dangerous. Now you may say, well, I tried the product and it was fine. Great, fine and dandy. Good, good for you. But listen, if your influencer is anything except God's word, you have a problem. This is the wisdom of God. What Solomon's saying here is simple. Listen, you need to find the right teachers. 
You need to walk with the wise. I remember seeing these you know, really cheesy things in elementary school. Basically, if you want to fly with the eagles, you can't walk around with the turkeys. Remember those? Where do you think that came from? You think somebody who's like, boy, that's a really good idea. I think I'll make a motivational poster from it. No, it's right here. If you want to get wise, you better listen to the wise people God's placed in your life. But here's the deal. If you want to walk around with fools, you're going to deal in foolish things. Jesus taught about this. He said the blind are leading the blind. Listen, as followers of Jesus, you're not blind anymore. The song says it. We see it in Scripture. I was blind, but now I see. Why would you let someone blind lead you around if you're a seeing person? And listen, I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm not trying to say, oh, those influencers are horrible people. I'm not. I'm just simply saying, listen, if you are allowing that to be the influence in your life, you're following more than likely some fools. Not God's word. Not, not people that God's placed in your life that have wisdom and direction and discernment. No. Just simply people who are paid to tell you something. Listen. This is, amazing. this is important, especially in our world today. It's in your notes. With the Lord's help, we can discern who does and doesn't teach wisdom in their words and actions. Listen, there are many smooth-talking fools out there as well as some soft-spoken wise people. So we look to God to help us to see who they are. Now listen, please don't take this to the extreme. Don't run home and I'm going to remove all my people that I listen to. No, just understand a little bit of the situation. And know that God has given you first and foremost the wisdom that comes from Him. And second of all, others around you that God wants to help you grow and learn and experience Him in. Okay? So let's learn from the right teachers. Number four. Number four, you learn from your mistakes and your missteps. A teachable person learns from their mistakes and their missteps. Look at Proverbs 26, or 24, excuse me. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Listen, it's interesting here. It doesn't say the godly isn't going to trip up and stumble sometimes. It simply says, when they do, they get up. They learn, they understand, they grow from your, their mistakes. Listen, we're all going to make mistakes. The question is, are we wise enough to learn from them? Are we wise enough to allow God to show us that? And I thought this was interesting in Psalms. Psalms 37, 24, David writes this. He says, though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I love that. I love the imagery in that. You ever have, a, uh, you ever have a, a little kid that's just learning to walk? Isn't that fun? You know, like you got, they're, they're small enough where they still, I, I always love this. They're, they're small enough where your, your little finger, you know, they just grab a hold of it with their little hand and, and you take them. Sometimes, as I remember with Easton and other little kids, you know, you kind of do both hands and they kind of hold on and they're kind of doing this. You know, you know what I've learned? They stumble a lot when they walk. You know, they're learning to walk and they're stumbling and whatever. But you know what? As long as they hold on to dad's hands, they're not going to fall. Okay? They're not going to fall. Listen, you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have missteps. We all do. But listen, hold on to your dad's hands. And that stumble, he can pull you back up. The righteous person 
doesn't allow. The person that's, that's teachable doesn't allow themselves to fall and then stay there. Because here's the deal. Let's say, you know, you know that, that same illustration. You're kind of walking with the kiddo. And then, then you're, you're a horrible, terrible parent because you want to see if they can do it on their own. And you kind of take your hands away. And then they're kind of like, and then they fall down. You know, when they're that age, you know what I found? They sometimes have a hard time getting up. And so they'll fall down. The best thing usually they can do is reach out. Say, Dad or Mom, Grandma or Grandpa, whoever. And we reach down and we lift them up. We set them back on their feet again. And off we go. It's so important that knowing that we're going to make mistakes, knowing that we're not going to do this life perfectly, that we can still learn from them and help us to move forward. Next, number five, just a couple more. The, the people that are teachable, they receive correction as a blessing. They receive correction as a blessing. Three verses here real quick. Proverbs 15, 31. It says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you'll listen to constructive criticism, you'll be home among the wise. Proverbs 17, 10. It says, a single rebuke does more for a person of understanding, listen, than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. Man, that's some strong language. But listen, one rebuke, one correction, and they go, man, that's valuable. And they take it and they allow it to change their life and they allow it to change the way they're walking and the things they're looking at. Look at Proverbs 12.1. It says, to learn, we talked about this before, to learn, you must love discipline. To learn, to be a teachable person. Listen, what Scripture is telling us here, what Solomon is telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is, listen, if you're going to learn, if you're going to be teachable, you have to love discipline. It doesn't say you have to like it. It says you got to love it. And then he continues, it is stupid to hate correction. He says it's stupid to hate correction. I mean, that's some strong language here. But it's language we need to understand and hear and begin to allow into our life. Listen, correction is not always fun. I understand that. But it is so valuable and it's so important and it is expounded on. I love these portions of verses and they're not fun necessarily to read and experience, but they're so true and they're in Hebrews 12. Look at Hebrews 12 with me. It says this, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Let me stop here for a second because what we're going to find in this writer of Hebrews is simply this. The correction proves who you are. It proves who you are. It proves your relationship with God. It says, who, who even heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? It says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Before we go to verse 10 and 11, can I just be honest with you? Because I know the answer for me is probably not often. How often are you corrected or, or helped by God that God brings forth his discipline? And the first thing you do is, man, I'm so glad that means I'm God's child. I don't. But that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. They're saying, listen, that proves who you are. 
Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't like it when somebody else disciplines my kid. Because that's my job as his father. That's Emily's job as his mother. What does that prove? It proves we love him. It proves that he's ours. That God placed him in our care to help him, to discipline him, and to correct him when necessary. Let's continue, verse 10 and 11. It says, for our earthly fathers discipline us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline, hear, hear it, God's discipline is always good for us. You see that word? Remember I've told you, you know, certain words to underline? If you haven't yet, underline the word always and good. God's discipline is always, not sometimes good, always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. Do you realize that? I love when Scripture doesn't just say why, or doesn't just give us this part, He tells us why. Why does God discipline? Because He wants to make you holy. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be teachable to help you experience this growth. No discipline, hear this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. It's painful, it's not fun. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Man. That's amazing. That God, listen, hear me, that God would love you and me so much that not only did He give His Son, but He's like, listen, I want you to grow and be disciplined so you become more like my son. And one of the ways, one of the major ways that God does that is he brings correction and discipline. Why? Because quite honestly, most of us, myself absolutely included, don't always do the right thing. And we need that correction. We need that discipline. But it's brought because it shows who we are, because God loves us, and because he desires to bring forth a peaceful harvest of righteousness in our lives. The last one, and this is the most important one probably other than the very first one, which is the, the starting point, and it's simply this. you got to listen and follow the teaching of the greatest teacher, who is obviously Jesus Christ. You've got to follow His teaching more than anything. Okay? We talked about being humble. Listen, being humble is understanding simply this, that you don't know it all, which basically means this, your teaching isn't sufficient. What you think isn't always correct. You don't know it all. When we talk about looking to the wrong teachers or the right teachers, you know, we're talking more in that situation about earthly individuals. I understand that. But even greater, the greatest teacher, the one that we need to listen to more than any person is Jesus himself. That is the teacher that we need to look to because he is the one who never makes the mistake. His discipline and his correction and his teaching is always true. It changes everything. It changes it all. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, starting with verse 24 and 29. Now this is a portion of scripture that a lot of us know for one simple reason. We sang about it when we were kids. Remember this? The foolish man and the wise man you did, the, you did the motions, and, and the rains came a tumbling down. You know that one? That's the one, okay? 
That's a great song, isn't it? You know, the, the floods came down. Wait, how's it go? The rains came down and the floods came up, right? You know? And then, of course, as a kid, the best part of a Christian song where you grew up in children's church was at some point you had to scream as loud as you possibly can. That's, that's just how it worked. And, of course, when, when the rains came down, the floods came up, the, the, the man with the house on the sand, it went crash or splat or whatever word you yelled out. It's a great song. It's a great story that Jesus teaches us here. But you need to understand something a little bit deeper that maybe you may have missed in the, sto- in the song that's in Scripture. Look at Matthew 7, 24, 29. We're going to read it and we're going to come back. It says, anyone who listens to what? My teaching. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. He says, anyone that listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Sounds like Jesus here is almost, you know, reverting back to Proverbs. He's saying, listen, if you will listen to my teaching and follow it, you're wise. And then he gives you an example or a picture of what that looks like. He says, it's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beat against that house, it will stand. Verse 26. Oh, excuse me, it won't collapse, thank you. Because it's built on bedrock. It's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the flood come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Verse 28. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. You know, when we were kids, maybe you didn't do this, but, you know, when I was a kid and and we would sing, the foolish man builds his house upon the sand, you know, and at the very end, you know, it's so build your house on the Word or on Jesus Christ, you know? You know, we talked about how the wise would build on a rock and the foolish would build on the sand. But you know what? What we really need to understand here is what that rock really is. What that sand really is. The context of this story is basically the teaching and the following of Jesus' words what Scripture tells us. That's how you build your house on a rock. And also, in the same way, that's also how you build your house on sand. You know, I'm not much of a person that likes science. My son really likes science. I'm not good in science. But I know know this and maybe this isn't even correct really in the real basic understanding, but if you brought to me a rock and you brought to me sand, I would definitely understand, I could answer the question, which is harder? Which one gives you more stability? You know, I think one of the issues that I see in our world and our culture today is our culture and our world in so many ways is built on sand. You know, and I'm not a beach person. I don't like the beach because there's sand on it. 
but I, I do understand this idea of shifting sand and how the waves will come in and they'll move the sand here or there. Or when it rains, you know, maybe you, you have a hiking trail that you really like and it rains really hard and, it, and, and the water comes and it washes away kind of the sand or the topsoil away. But you know what I've noticed on those same trails? The rocks that are in the trails, they, they, they tend to stand firm. And yeah, maybe the small little pebbles, they go, but those big, solid rocks, they're not moving very easily. And for so many of us, we live our life when it comes to being teachable and with, with our lives, with, with its understanding of, of how we live, and, and, and we can't understand why our lives are so just shifting all the time. We have such a hard time with, with, with things, and, and, and you see it in our culture all the time. One minute this is fine, and now it's not. One minute this is okay, but now it's not. Now you can say this, now you can't. Now you can do this, now you can't. It's all always shifting around. There's no stability. Why? Because those things, that sand, is people that heard God's word and refused to do it. What are they doing then? They're doing their own thing. They're not teachable from God's word. They're saying, I know what's best. I know what should happen. I know what rock really is. And quite honestly, they don't. And listen, I can speak for my own life. There are times where, unfortunately, instead of staying in the rock of God's word and instead of staying on the things I knew were true, I started to stand on my own abilities or my own wisdom or my own understanding. And you know what tended to happen? As soon as the rain began to hit, man, all of a sudden, I was having a hard time not falling over. You see, the teachable person understands the greatest teacher that ever was. They understand that to have the stability of the rock, they have to listen and obey the teachings that we are that are found in God's word. Not in what culture says, not in what some other person says, but what God's word says. I want to be teachable by him above all else and above everyone else. And it's so interesting because as we grew up singing that song, hearing that and seeing the pictures in our minds of the house that stood firm, but yet the house that fell. It's so easy sometimes to forget what the stability really is. And yes, it's God's word, but totally when you really strip it away, it's, it's, it's Jesus. It's him. He's our rock. We run to him and we're safe. He's our strong tower. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a moment. If you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes, so we can just focus just for a minute. We're not going to be long. Because, like I said, I believe we all understand we need to be teachable. We all can grow. No matter how teachable we are, we can always grow and, and, and become more teachable. We can always open our hearts to more of what God wants us to learn and understand through his word and through the people and, and situations that happen in our lives. 
But at the same time, as I was kind of putting this together over the last couple weeks and, and looking at this, it, it was kind of like the Lord kind of helped me to focus in on, on one particular area here. And, and if you don't fall under this, I mean, listen, we, like I said, I'm going to give you a minute. We're going to pray. You can, everyone can pray for more teachability. All of, us can teach, all of us can pray that we'd be more open to what God desires to show us. But it was like God really spoke to me on this idea of, of rock and sand. And maybe it's because I'm simple. Maybe it's because I grew up singing the song. I don't know, but it was like God kind of spoke to my heart and said, listen, there are going to be some people that are here. There are going to be some people online that quite honestly have heard my word, but they have not obeyed it. And therefore, their lives and their situations and their families and their relationships with me and others is on shifting sand. And when the rain hits and the sand begins to move, they are not stable, they are not grounded, they do not have the peace of God because they're so busy trying to keep from hitting the ground that they can't really experience my peace, joy, and love, and goodness in the midst of the rainstorms. And to you this morning, what God would desire to tell you is simply this. You were not created to build your house on sand. You were not created to be a being that is always shifting, always in a, in, a, in a panic because you're just looking for the next rain cloud because you know as soon as it hits, everything under you is going to begin to be shaken. And so you have a really hard time moving forward and growing in God because you are petrified of what is coming next. Listen, one of the benefits of many of building your house on the rock is knowing that no matter what comes, God's got you. Knowing that God will work all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. That they understand that even though there may be uh, tears in the night, there will be joy in the morning. Why do people seem to have the ability to no matter what their situations or circumstances are, no matter how bleak or hard or good or, or, or whatever, they always seem to be steady. They always seem to have peace. They always seem to have joy. It's simple. They have built their house on the rock. They know what the rock says. They know who the rock is. And they have built their life on it. So when the wind comes and the rains come and the floods come, they say, no, don't have to worry about it because my God is stronger than those things. My God will raise up a standard against them. My God will take these things and work all these things out for His good and His glory. They can hold on to them. Why? Well, in some ways, they were teachable by Jesus, by others, by maybe that three-year-old that showed an amazing amount of faith because they didn't question it. They just simply said, if God said it, I believe it, mommy or daddy. And those people have built their life on something solid. They have an anchor that they can hold on to in the midst of the storm. And that anchor and that rock 
is our Jesus. So, again, as I was putting this together, I felt like what God was asking me to do was just simply invite you to make a certain house vacant, the house on your sand, and instead build and move into a house on the rock. Because listen, here's the great thing. You know, I know in our world today and in Colorado, man, it's hard sometimes to find a house. Listen, there is plenty of space on the rock. <laughs> there, is, there, there is real estate available to you on the rock. And if you want to have a life that is full of the things that God promised you, then first thing, you need to listen and obey to what he has told you to do and follow it and you will find a life that has been changed by the power of the Word and the person of God. So he wants to invite you. You don't have to live in that shifting sand anymore, but you can if you want. It's your call. It's simply an invitation, and that's what God would ask me to ask you this morning. Do you want to come? Do you want to humble yourself? Do you want to be a teachable individual and build your house on something that's steady and firm that will last forever? Or do you want to continue living on sand that will keep you from having the stability that God desires to give you? It's real simple. And so as I pray with you and over you, if that's you, it's real simple. You just tell God, listen, God, I, I want to move. I want to move. And then what you do is you begin to take the things that we've talked about this morning and you begin to apply them. You start with the first one and you look at those things and then you move on from there. And you allow him to steady you. You allow him to be the best teacher and you spend time in his word and in prayer allowing him to teach you these things. So, Father, we come to you this morning. Let's all stand real quick. Father, we come to you this morning. And, God, we thank you for each one that's here. God, each one that's online. God, as we've talked this morning about being teachable, in some ways we could look at that and go, is that really a, a, a topic that, that fits with, with a church and all these things? And I would say absolutely it is. Absolutely. I mean, we look at, Jesus, we look at the time and the effort that you spent teaching while you were here and teaching your disciples and, and teaching the crowds and all these things. You wanted us to learn from you. But God, if we think we know it all, if we think we've got it all figured out, if we think that we have our opinions and they're greater than yours, Father, we're going to miss all that you want to do in us and through us. And so, Father, we want to be teachable people. We want to be people that look to you and your word to teach us and to help us grow and help us experience more of who you are. But God, for some of us, some of us, Father, we've built our house in the wrong location. And Father, if we have, God, we want to move. We want to go to that solid place that's only found in you and allow you to be the one that gives us that stability, that gives us that, that firm foundation. Not our wisdom, because our wisdom isn't enough, 
Not our understanding, because our understanding isn't enough. Not others that, 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 but you, you, Father, you are our rock. And so, God, I pray that you would help us all to grow in teachability. You would help us all to grow in these applicational areas of our life. And that you would help us all to build our house on you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here this morning. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. Remember, for everybody that's here, we're going to head over to Jason's Deli for a time to have some lunch together. Also, remember, um, sign up for community groups. And then again, once again, two weeks from this Sunday, we're going to have a, a special guest with us. Uh, and I'm really excited for you guys to meet him and his family. So that'll be the 21st. So with all those things, make sure you check off all those things and you're here for that Sunday and all those things. Um, so, and also, I hope you're able to come and join us for lunch. I hope you have a great week. For those who are online, I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you all soon.